Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Good morning, Arizona. Happy Sunday morning, live from Sunny Slope with beautiful clouds hanging over the mountains. And you know, there's a tint of green to the desert. Yes, I drove down to uh, Tubac yesterday, and all the way to Tubac, you can see where it's uh, pretty much everywhere has had a little rain. The mountains are really green up. Mount Lemmon is just beautiful. Picacho Peak is just you know, popping to its glory that it has with the dark rock and green. And just looking here in Sunny Slope, we can see these poor little chuckawallas are going to have something to eat. Happy Sunday. Beautiful morning out there. Welcome to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, where we can talk about your landscape dreams, your nightmares, how to grow things, different things you're growing, ways to control problems. Yes, we all have our little minor problems in life. And so, you know, if you've got a solution to uh, something different or something different you're trying to grow, a different style or a way to grow things, we'd love to hear for me. We're all here to learn. We have Julia back with us this weekend. We're so lucky. You know, and you know, guess what she did? She brought the rain. And you know, we had better rain last week than we have in a while, and that's uh got a forecast with even more. So gosh, who could be happier than we are here in the desert? Looks like we got a couple lines on and three available. The number to call 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. Give Julia a call. We can talk about the landscape, like I say, your dreams, your nightmares, your wishes, your desires. Uh, give us a call. Uh, first up this morning, Randy and Tempe. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Brian. Uh, I do have a little problem, <laughs> as you mentioned. I have a bird of paradise, and it um, it's a mature plant. It's been in my yard 23 years since I've lived here. And um, in the last, like, five to six months, the new... Uh, the newer stems, they're green, they look healthy, but then they just bend over. And now, this I don't is know a tropical bird of paradise or Mexican bird of paradise? It's it's not a Mexican, it's a regular tropical. Okay, with the big tropical leaves and blue and orange flower. I, I get my blooms maybe twice a year and they're mm-hmm. beautiful. Okay. How are, how are you but, watering, Randy? I don't know. I mean... Um, it's on a, a timer, mm-hmm. and and so what do you call it when when it's just you know it's it's a little, the little tubes of water. Okay, like a drip drip system, but you don't think there's any yeah, chance that your drip system is having problems there or not getting enough water. Well, we had someone come in and check all around the yard, Mm -hmm. and so he didn't say anything about the bird of paradise. Okay, and just after that, is is that when you started having problems? No, about five months before. Okay, so he's kind of went through and addressed it. Um, You know, really for one of the, you know, tropical bird of paradise, especially when they're established and mature like yours, um, are typically pretty darn hardy here. You know, they'll burn in the summer a little and those kind of problems. But, you know, what I would do is I would really go out first and look at the water and make sure that it's getting wet, um, and especially, um, you know, if you're having problems with irrigation in other places. Because um, the one thing I can think of with a mature plant like that that would cause it heartache would be...
would be not to be receiving enough water. And I, I would really okay. go out and check that first. And I, and I think you'll probably find your problem there because it just, okay. there's not many other things that bother mm. a tropical bird of paradise. You know, the you know, fungus don't bother them. The heat, they, you know, you, you've been through the heat with them before, so you understand how they act with that. So I would think right. you probably have a watering issue. Okay, I've never fertilized it. Do I have to fertilize yeah, a bird of paradise? It'll bloom better. You know, I mean, you can be kind to it, you know. <laughs> you know chickens can be free range. You don't have to feed them either. They can run around and eat bugs, but they do like a little grain. So, you know, if you would want to fertilize it, if you hit it with a product that was high phosphorus, like Super Bloom or, or uh, Miracle Grow, either one, uh, those would be great okay. for it. And I probably encourage more blooms. And, you know, go out and see if you would you could check when the irrigation system is running and, and go back and just dig around it to see if it's getting wet because if it's watered on an irrigation cycle about once a week or so or even once every 10 days or two weeks but it gets pretty wet uh, it should be mm-hmm. very happy it doesn't need you know mm-hmm. constant water or you know, you know infrequent water but just when it gets mm-hmm. water it needs a good deep irrigation and, and that needs to happen mm-hmm. you know about every week to two weeks in the summertime and once a month in the wintertime and it should be happy Okay, well, maybe he kind of overlooked the amount of water it was giving then. <clears throat> and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a beautiful plant. Uh-huh. I mean, it looks green and healthy and everything, but like I said, the new stems, just, they just bend right over. Yeah, it's, it sounds like... they're the newest ones. The only other <laughs> thing I could think of that would actually like to eat that plant would be a gopher. And if you have any gophers around, <laughs> they would like, they would enjoy that plant. Okay, okay. okay. All right, and then just one other little thing. I have a 50-foot pine tree, and it was dropping needles like crazy a couple of months ago, and so I figured it wasn't getting enough water. The... um the needles, they, they all felt real sticky. I, I mean, it was well, really understood. The pine trees get aphids on them, and the aphids make them sticky. You know, and, and oh. they have a lot of aphids that will get on them in the summertime here. And um, okay. if you see, and sometimes we see them more like in the wintertime when we see like big portions, especially in Aleppo's, turn brown and die out. And that's really from insects uh-huh. feeding on top of them. So if you uh-huh. start to notice that, or if you notice them being shiny up in the top, you can treat them with uh-huh. a, like a bare systemic insecticide. That you put, you could put it in the uh-huh. water and water it in around the base of the tree, and it goes up through the tree system, makes it toxic to the insects, and that will eliminate uh-huh. that problem for you. So tell me again, what am I supposed to add to the water? Well, it's bare systemic insecticide. If you go to a nursery, you'll find it. It'll be bare brand mostly, but it can be a grub control or any one of these different kind of chemicals. But they'll use it for basically a systemic insecticide is where you put it in, put it on the ground and then you water it in. It goes up through the tree system and makes the tree toxic to the aphids, and it's very effective. And we really see more okay. of that problem with the sticky in the spring, you know, in early uh-huh. early winter. Then if the needles are still sticky, they're going to stay until it rains and as far yeah. as you know pines yeah. dropping you know they have shedding seasons and we really seem to notice them a lot more with the monsoons because it blows all the needles out but uh, okay. hopefully you've had enough wind to clean it up Randy and uh, we've, we're have we having great yeah. weather for the pines right now mm-hmm. okay. well, thanks for the call alright thank you bye bye uh, Tom and Gilbert good morning Tom good morning how are you today excellent sir thank you for asking Hey, uh, last week or week before, you talked about them big black bugs that come out of the ground to feed on the roots. Right. Is there any, what did you say to put on it to kill them? Ah, we like to hit them with a 34-inch baseball bat. 
right when they're flying around there. They're, those were so much fun when we played baseball here in the summer this time of year. You know, and they'd come out at night and they'd be flying all around the fields and we would hunt them down with our baseball bats. And, you know, you have to be about 14 or 15 to swing a 34. But, boy, we had a good time. Well, then I can't. I go foot in that program. Okay. Well, then you probably want to treat them in the ground, Tom. And what you'll need okay. to do is you need to drench the soil. Okay, so there's a product okay. called Talstar, T-A-L-S-T-A-R, and that's a contact. Okay, and so you would you can get that in granules or liquid. Okay, and then you'd want to use a grub control, and that's going to be the intimidacloripid. So I would use both. The one's a contact killer; it's going to knock more of them out. It might kill some beetles that are coming out this time of year, so they're not going to come back and procreate and repopulate. And then the uh, the other granules, the grub control, makes the roots toxic to the insects, to the worms that are in there. Uh, do you have them in a Mexican Palo Verde, or what kind of tree are they in, Tom? Uh, hang on just a minute. I can't. I don't remember the name of it. It's, well, it's a tree that steps out there and don't take much water. <laughs> well, they, they, they're native insects, and they like native trees. Palo Verdes are their favorite, especially the Mexican, which is actually one that's you know not native here. But they'll eat a lot of different kinds of trees and feed on the roots. Some of them tend okay. to really outroot them, outgrow them. But that's the way to treat them. You want to use a you know a, a contact herbicide this time of year, like Talstar, and then you'd want okay. to go at the same time and use a grub controller, which would be an imidacloripid, and uh, put those two. I got to write that last one down. I got to put. You got them down to your store. Hey, we we do have it in our store, and I'll tell you a nice part. When this show's all over, Julia puts it on a podcast, and she puts it down. So if you just Google Whitfield Nursery Garden Show at KTAR, you can come up to this show. It's usually available about you know after lunchtime or so, and you can go right back to where we talked, and we can hear this conversation as many times as we like. Hey, that's good. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tom. Have a nice weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mark and Chandler, you'll be up next, but first we need to take a short break. But in the meanwhile, in the meanwhile, Julia's back here smiling and looking at these open phones. Give her a call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Let this be our prayer. Quanta fede c'è? Quanta fede c'è? 
Beautiful Sunday morning. We have three lines available, and Julia back here smiling. Give her a call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Mark and Chandler, good morning. Where else but Arizona do you say, what a nice gray overcast drizzle day. This is beautiful. Yeah, we can't get too much of it here. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, the leader, though, your question is, is California, they really need it. <laughs> Uh, a question and some advice. Let's go with the advice first. I heard, so you mentioned the malorganite, which is a slow-releasing nitrogen thing. Uh-huh. I had heard that that's also good for repelling. I don't know if you mentioned it. You know where I'm going with this. Uh, rabbits and deer, because a lot of people seem to ask those questions also. Um, that there's an odor to it that repels rabbits. Well, you know, Mark, that, that would be interesting, and especially for those that have lawns near golf courses and in neighborhoods where the rabbits are prolific over the evening. And, um, you know, I've never tried. You know, really, I don't recommend things here that I haven't personally tried or don't have some you know, personal knowledge on. But, you know what, we welcome all kinds of recommendations and thoughts because it takes everything to make a stew. So the more we can learn from each other, the better we are off. So if that works well and if you've got experience, that's fantastic. And good information. My question is, my purple leaf plum, and I've got three op- four options. You'll tell me which is best. I've got these little teeny holes. I look at the underside of the leaf, and I have these white pencil point size bugs. Do I A, neem oil, B, uh, soapy water, C, something else you recommend, or just let those little guys enjoy their lunch and the holes don't really bother anything? Well, the holes aren't terrible, but the problem is is that the plums really hurt this time of year. Now, we've got the monsoon, which is a big reprieve for them. You know, Normally, last couple summers, we haven't had it like, well, last summer was pretty good. We had Julia. But the summer before last was really tough on them. But this is a very tough time of year on purple leaf plums. And as far as using any kind of an oil on a plant this time of year, I wouldn't recommend it because it's too hot and the magnification process can burn the leaves. So that's, you know, not a good thing. Oils work great in the wintertime to suffocate insects, and they're pretty good. Uh, you know, soap, you're trying to suffocate insects the same way, and it probably wouldn't be as detrimental to the plant, but you are kind of coating the leaves. And so then it comes down to, you know, synthetics, and that's where you use something like an imidacloripid. And the nice part about using that on a tree this time of year, like a purple leaf plum, is you're four months away from the flowering season. So it's a pretty safe thing to use now. I wouldn't recommend using it in January, but, you know, using it this time of year would be pretty safe. And that's the harsh case. And the option of just, just leaving them and letting them You know, good, good health and vigor are always an option, Mark. And uh, it's a little, little tricky trying to fertilize a purple plum this time of year. Your chance of burning it are probably too high. But, uh, you know, you hope that it has enough in the ground to continue on. But you can always come along and fertilize it mid-September. And uh, the purple leaf plums here in our climates, you know, tend to stay in foliage all the way past the end of the year. So that'll give it the chance to put out new growth and kind of recover and be much more attractive come October. Are we good? Oh, Mark. Have, hey, have a nice weekend. Thanks for the call. Pre- appreciate the idea. And um, that would be interesting if Malarkey and I would repel rabbits because that would be a great dual purpose. Bye-bye. Uh, Paula in Phoenix. Good morning, Paula. 
Hi, Brian. Love the music you guys play. Well, we've got Julia, the music queen, back here. Yeah, she really picks out some good ones. Um, I have uh, two peach trees, and uh, this is like the third time I've called about them. Not that you don't give great information, because you do, but it's like my, uh, you know, the seasons changed. Uh-huh. And before the summer, I was fertilizing them a little bit every other week, and everything was going good. And last summer, which was the summer I put them in, I wrapped the trunk for the summer, and that seemed to be good. Well, now here we are, uh, the next summer, and I actually had my handyman build like a shade structure <laughs> over them. You really love these peaches, don't you? <laughs> I, I really do. And, well, the other thing is that my son's room is on that side of the house, so that gives his room a little bit of shade. And are these on and the west side of his room, Paula? Um, it's on the south side of the house. Okay. Yeah, southwest. Um, so, and unfortunately, like, I was traveling in June and July quite a lot, so I haven't paid a lot of attention uh-huh. to them. But I thought, oh, they have shade. They should be good. Um, the one is good. It uh, That's the Red Baron. It's doing great. It has peaches on it. The other one, the Alberta, um, half of it has really great growth. The other half has nothing, like the side that's towards the sun. So I was uh-huh. planning on wrapping the trunk now that I'm home and school starting all that stuff. And uh, just wondering, it, should I still be fertilizing? Well, Paula, you, you, can, you, can, you can leave the trunks wrapped all the time. That's not a bad idea. You know, unless you're going to let the canopy come down low enough to shade, especially the west side and southwest side of the tree, and even the northwest okay. side, because the sun moves around a lot in summertime. But so right. if you can keep, keep them, you know, full like that, they protect themselves. And they're probably yeah. fairly healthy if the leaves are in good, you know, shape on the other side. Fertilizing yeah. stone fruits this time of year, you know, Sometimes we really see big deficiencies with things like zinc, manganese, and iron, you know, especially iron this time of year. So if you use a fertilizer that doesn't contain too much iron but has the miners in it, or if you wanted to give it like some chelated iron this time of year, that would be a good idea. Uh, If you want to add soil sulfur or gypsum, that's, you know, never going to burn. Those kind of things are a good idea. But, you know, instead of having to shade them for next year, since, you know, we're planning on keeping these peaches for a while, how about growing some ground cover around them? You know, whether it be well, lantanas or do you do have shrubbery or ground cover around them? Yeah, I have uh, St. Augustine grass. Oh, well, then that takes all the reflected heat away. So that, that's a huge, huge plus. Yeah. But they're probably also competing a little bit with the lawn for fertilizer. Do you have wells in the lawn? Yes. Okay. So that's kind of clear of the St. Augustine. And then you have St. Augustine all around them. Yeah, and it grows so thick. It's such a, a pain to cut it. It is. The green grass grows all around and around. And, you know, until you've mowed St. Yeah. Augustine, you've never, you, you, you never want to miss mowing St. Augustine a week in this time of year in, this, in Phoenix because it gets hard yeah, to cut. Yeah, it's true. But anyway, true. Um, the, so what probably about the best thing you could do for, well, a light dose is fine, but it's not very much. Okay. You know, but yours have a huge advantage. Being there in that lawn, Paula, is a huge advantage. Okay. Okay. Thank Great. you. Thanks a lot, have a Brian. nice weekend. Bye-bye. Well, we have Sue and Glendale next, but after Sue, we've got four open lines. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. Give us a call. We can talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, what to grow, how to grow, why to grow, and how to prune it. If your tree broke in the wind, we can talk about what we might want to do to repair that. Uh, you know, any, any, anything at all. And if you've got suggestions and ideas, and uh, I'm, I'm really interested to, you know, have someone try this Malarga and I on rabbit repellent because boy what a double edged sword that'll be that'd be a good one uh, Sue and Glendale good morning 
Oops. Hello, um, Sue. We are just recently started planting our yard, and we're wondering when the best time to plant a Mexican bird of paradise is and the best time to purchase one. Today. Today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. You're, 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 you know, right now you're thinking about it, right? So it's going to happen. Yes. And you couldn't have a better time to plant a Mexican bird of paradise in the middle of a monsoon season. And you're going to oh. get uh, more growth out of it the next eight weeks than you will the next eight months following. So okay. It's going to grow more in August and September than it's going to grow from October through April. Okay. Okay. So we have a tendency to look in our area to find them, uh-huh. and they're hard to find. Oh, we, Do you guys have I, I, I'm pretty sure we have them in our Glendale Avenue Nursery. You can call there. Uh, they open at 10 this morning, and I'll actually be there at okay. 10 this morning. But, um, awesome. But, yeah, they, we should have them. I mean, they come and go in availability. We used to just grow those. I think next year we're going to grow all of our own again. Um, but they're a fun plant to grow here. They grow really fast. They love our climate, and they love the heat, and especially happy during the monsoon. So perfect time to plant them. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks, Sue. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Michael in Peoria. But after Michael, we've got those open lines again, 602-277-5827. Good morning, Michael. How are you doing? Hey, got a quick question for you. I got a view fence, right? Mm-hmm. On the back of the view fence, I got queen toms. So I got like... You know, large ones, and then right next to it, I got a small one and a small one, like half the size. And these things, it's like every time the guy comes out, I'm always starting to replace one. And I don't know if it's just too hot or... And it seems like it's the smaller ones that need to be replaced. Well, Michael, we've just had, you know, different weather. We used to sell thousands of queen palms here. You know, we personally, you know, brought in probably more than anyone back in the in the 70s and 80s. But we have a tree here that's much hardier now. If you want that tropical look, that will do a lot better called a mule palm. And what a mule palm is, it's a cross between a queen palm and a pindo palm. But it takes the heat right. and the cold here. It doesn't seem to get the fungus the way that the queen palms do. But the queen palms have two issues here. Number one, it's just hot and dry. And so when they get stressed and weak, they can get a fungus, especially up in the crown. And if you notice the center leaf falling over or not coming out very well, you'd want to treat them for fungus. And there's two ways to treat them. You could use Monterey disease control or you can use copper sulfate. And you'd want to pour it down the crown of the tree and then put it around the tree. And this is the time of year when the fungus really manifests itself and you see the biggest problem. The other thing is they need a good deep irrigation. If they're young, probably twice a week. And if they're more established, at least once a week. And they'll really benefit from some fertilizer and some extra manganese. So you can buy a manganese spike and you can put it around queen palms that give them an extra shot of manganese that's very beneficial in addition to a good balanced fertilizer. Can you overwater them? Pretty hard. I mean, as, unless you're in heavy clay that doesn't drain, they'll, they'll take a lot of water. Okay, so I mean, you can't like overwater them. Well, you can overwater anything. Any, if, if, if a big monkey grabs you and holds you under the water and you can't get air, you're going to drown. So will your queen palm. But as long as you're, you know, there's no reason to water more than twice a week. Mike, okay. I, we've got, we've got the news, but have a nice day and thanks for the call. We'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, we've got three lines open. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. An old cowboy went riding out one dark and windy day. 
the rich he rested as he went along his way When all at once a mighty herd of red-eyed cows he saw Plowing through the ragged skies And up the cloudy draw Their brands were still on fire and their hooves were made of steel Their horns were black and shiny and their hot breath he could feel A bolt of fear went through him as they thundered through the sky For he saw the riders coming hard And he heard their mournful cry Sunday morning. We got a couple lines still open. The number to call 602-260-5394. 260-KFYI, Jim and Mesa. Good morning, Jim. Morning, Ryan. How are you? Excellent, sir. Awesome. Yeah, I've got a couple things in my backyard, a tangerine and a Barbados cherry. The wife wants to move them. She wants to just swap them. <laughs> well, it's going to be how long have they been planted, Jim? The tangerine about a year and a half and the Barbados about eight months. Okay, probably the best time to do that would be in October. It wouldn't be as hard on the tangerine this time of the year as it was the cherry. What size were they planted, Jim? Uh, the tangerine is fairly big. I think it's 24-inch box. Okay. It, uh, you know, you, you risk losing them. You know, they're, they're, they're in the ground now unhappy. Um, they'll be less happy when you move them. Um, they do move fairly well. October would be a good time because the, the, the citrus could move better this time of year. But the cherry uh, is really going to have a harder time with shock. But it's a fairly tropical tree. So I, I would move them in October. You're going to need to dig a root ball on them, probably two foot in diameter. And what you'll want to do is dig a kind of start with the trench around them, but turn your shovel backwards so you hold the root bag root ball firm and it stays tight. And then you're going to want to get some burlap, so you're going to need to dig a, a trench that's going to start from two feet and then go out to you know a foot wider, wide enough to get a shovel all the way around the tree and get down to the depth of about 18 inches to two feet. Okay, and have that round ball. And how we would do it is take a piece of like burlap or heavy fabric and roll. 
the tree over one way, roll the tree over the other way so that we get the four corners underneath and then get some husky gentlemen to pull it up or big, strong ladies. I mean, there might be ladies that strong, but you need to lift that thing out of the hole, but it's going to weigh, you know, but it's going to be mostly a mulch root ball. It's not going to be, you know, in that 24 citrus. It's not going to be that heavy, but it'll probably weigh a couple hundred pounds. So it's going to take a couple pretty, you know, good sized guys to be able to get that out and transplant it. When, when you plant them back, you want to make sure the soil level is the same. You want to use a product called Super Thrive. Uh, the soil that goes in around the trees is probably going to be fine because you've already amended it before when you planted them originally. And uh, if you would want to make this process easier, if you'd prune the trees back by about a third right now and uh, let them kind of grow back into that, they're going to transplant easier in October. Oh, okay. Okay, when you uh, prune them back by that third gem, you don't want to expose a lot of wood to the sun. You just want to stop their growth, you know, so they're not getting bigger because, you know, both those varieties are going to grow pretty fast in the next six weeks. Well, that's your problem. Tangerine ain't growing fast enough for it. Well, the tangerine's going to be slower, and that's because it's on, if it's a good tangerine, it might be like on a sour orange rootstock or it could be on a carrizo rootstock, which is going to make great quality fruit, but the tree's going to grow slower. And, um, you know, patience will let it grow. You could bud a lime tree or you could bud a, a, a lemon onto it right now. And you could have it a lemon tangerine tree and the lemon portion will grow really fast. But, you know, tangerines aren't as fast growing as citrus. And, uh, I mean, it's like lemons and grapefruit and, and sort of limes. So those varieties would all grow faster. So it's going to be a slower tree, but it's going to produce nice fruit. Yeah, it hasn't grown over three inches in the 18 months it's been in the ground. Well, would you all be happier if it just grew faster? Yes. Okay, that's going to be a lot easier for you. So what I would do, number one, is dig down and make sure that the root ball wasn't planted too deep. Mm -hmm. So go right up against the trunk and dig right down in the soil, and you should find the potting soil that it was grown in or the mix it was grown in. Okay, and we should have what's called a root flare. We should have some roots coming off the side just on the below the trunk there where their roots are pushing out horizontal. Okay, make sure that's not covered too deep, especially if you're in Mesa and have clay soil. So if you if you dig down there and you don't find the root ball for four or five inches, take all the clay off the top inside that planting well where the tree is, and just take the clay off down to the root ball level so that the root ball, the original root ball when it was planted, is exposed to the atmosphere. Okay? So nothing on top of the original root ball. Go ahead and feed it right now. Uh, like a, well, Organo Pro citrus food would be excellent. You know, a medium dose of uh, citrus food. With this weather we're having, and we're going to move forward that, you know, Memorial Day uh, fertilization to now, and we're going to fertilize it again next month, okay? And then in the watering, um, where are you at in Mesa, Jim? Uh, Dobson and Baseline. Dobson. So you got better, you know, yours isn't as heavy clay as some. So, but it's still pretty heavy soil. So you shouldn't be watering it more than once a week. And when you water it once a week, you want to put on enough water to go down the full depth of that two feet that the box was in. So it's going to need, when you water it, probably 30 gallons of water in about once a week. Okay. And, but if you open up the top of the well, you know, you make sure the trunk is wrapped or protected from the sun so this trunk can't sunburn. If the trunk is sunburned, just take a razor blade and split it, just a razor blade cut from where the branches start to the ground so the bark can start to expand easier. Just a vertical slit straight down. 
Okay, wrap the trunk. Make sure that the root system is exposed to the soil. So right to where the roots are. Leave about a half an inch or an inch of soil over the roots. But that root flare we want right up on top. Okay? Fertilize it right now and stand back. This weather is perfect. If you did that today and we get this rain and have these nice 100-degree days with humidity, you know, this is this is citrus are in heaven right now. They couldn't be in better weather for citrus in 100 degrees, you know, with the monsoon-type weather. So this is a great time to feed it, and it should pop right out. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. That'll be a whole lot less work than trying to move those guys. Yes. Okay. I'm trying that first. <laughs> All right, Jim. Thank you. Thanks, Brad. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have John in Northeast Phoenix. Good morning, John. Good morning, Brian. Beautiful day. Got a couple of questions for you. Uh, I had to uh, recently cut down a, a Cooper Eye mesquite because it was just splitting too bad in the middle. I was afraid it's going to fall down. And we had to ground the stump ground out. My wife wants to know approximately how far away do we have to be from that stump grind to uh, plant another tree? How large in diameter was the trunk, John? Oh, my God. It was it was big. It was uh, 20 inches. No. Had to be several feet in diameter. Okay, it was a huge tree. All right, so, so you can go just as closely. I mean, if you could dig the stump out, and you could you could plant right in the same hole, but that's going to be a lot of work. But if you just yeah. move over, you know, six or eight inches past where the diameter of the uh, trunk was. Okay, uh-huh. and you know, would I be willing to cut whatever roots off that were coming out that side of the trunk? Here, you know, in the root system, uh, you can plant right up against it. Okay, and I have another question for you: Is there any such thing as dead ground? Dead ground. Well, you can kill soil, you know, with chemicals, absolutely, or salts. Okay. You know, there there are things that will make uh, soil the point where we won't grow plants. There are uh, some. Last, yeah, last year I was having heart problems and I wasn't able to get my garden in, so my wife decided to help me out. And I mean, I stood there and watched her plant, and she planted everything the way I wanted it, and nothing came up at all. Well, you're planting I mean, from was, seed, or you're yeah from seed about approximately the September, October for had, your winter garden. Had you used any uh, chemicals in there? Any pre-emergents? No, or I don't. I don't use any chemicals whatsoever. Well, then the ground's not dead. You know, if you haven't used any chemicals in it, you know, we can get a lot of salt can leach into places different times, but that's unusual. You know, so I, I think if you just turn it over again, I would add a lot of gypsum. You know, that's okay. going to help it to leach better. And if you have some toxicity in there, that's going to help leach it through. You know, and mm-hmm. so those would be good things. And uh, what you might want to try, John, is just starting all your plants, you know, like on a patio in small containers, you know, in, right. in mid-August and then transplanting them. It's, it's sometimes oh. a lot easier easier than planting in the soil. Oh, I know. Is, is soil sulfur good for that, too? Soil sulfur is excellent here. Soil sulfur, what oh. it does, it helps to lower the pH. And the wa- our pH in our water now, you know, around the valley, runs like 8.2. So it's pretty darn salty. And, um, okay. and we leach all that out by adding gypsum and soil sulfur. You know, and we're not going to keep our pH much different than the water. But plants will grow in fairly alkaline soil, you know, with the right care and with good drainage. Okay. Uh, one more question here. Um, when should I stop fertilizing? I've been fertilizing my pomegranate every month okay. a little bit. And when should I stop fertilizing? Pro- pro- probably in uh, September. I mean, it's going to continue to grow a lot, and um, and the fruit's going to get even bigger still all the way through October. You know, and they don't mm-hmm. ripen until it cools off, usually November, December. Right. But the tree is going to be very actively growing in October. So if your last fertilization's in September, then you got plenty of fertilizer in there, hopefully, to carry it for the growing season. 
Very good. Well, thank you so much, Brian. I really appreciate it. Thanks, John. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Oh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we've, uh, we're going to come back with Jenny and Levine. But if you would like to be up after Jenny, give Julia a call. The number to call here is 602-277-5827-277. KTR, it's Julia and Brian here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Sunday from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM, KTAR. Beautiful Sunday morning. I don't know if you've been out yet or, or seen the clouds over the mountains, but the valley could not be any happier looking this morning. The, the, the hills are turning green. Yes, we've had enough monsoon valley-wide. Everything's getting a little sprinkle of green. And who knows? Maybe we'll keep this up for, you know, it could, it could potentially last till the middle of September. It might be a little warm for some of you, but I'll tell you, if we hit this kind of rain, we'd be really, really happy here out at the nurseries. And in the meantime, I'd like to invite you to our nurseries. You know, at Whitfield, we used to grow trees. We started with my grandparents back in the 40s, continue now for four generations. If you need trees, any kind, any size, come out and see us from 15 gallons to 72-inch box. We grow all kinds. We have beautiful date palms, Mexican fans, California fans. We have great citrus trees of all flavors and beautiful desert trees. And we have some really hardy, fun different trees. You know, if you want a hardier mesquite that doesn't split, check out an American mesquite. Very sturdy wood. Stays a little more evergreen and no thorns. Or we have fruitless olives. Things like Swan Hills, which are a great desert tree. You know, if you want something that's truly low water, a little more compact and not have to deal with the fruit, 
of Swan Hill always a great tree. We have three locations. Our original store at 824 East Glendale Avenue in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 2647 East Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. Whitfield Nursery for four generations growing trees here for Arizona's future. Jenny and Levine, good morning. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. Wonderful. I have two problems. Well, no, I have a problem and I have a question. Okay. Um, I have a Santa Rosa plum, probably seven or eight years old. It's really large. Up until this year, produced a ton of fruit. This year, we hardly got anything out of it. Um, The leaves don't look great. They're kind of curly. And we've noticed just recently it started pushing out a lot of sap. Okay. So it's being, you know, devoured by flat-headed boars. Is it in flood irrigation, Jenny? Yes. Okay. So that that's all you can do for the watering. I mean, that's going to be a regular enough watering cycle for it. You'd probably want to go ahead and treat it with intimidachlorp at this time of year, which would be one of the bare products that you can be, you know, grub control, bore control, whatever. And uh, you can put that on there and um, go, you know, go right around the tree, water it in. It goes right through the tree system. You can even get the little injectors and do like a Medicap thing where you drill into the side of the tree and put it in the bark. Mm-hmm. But those bores, you know, probably did a pretty heavy attack job back in April and May. And as the worms hatch in there, they, they girdle the tree. And, and they'll kill them. Gotcha. And they love fruit trees. I mean, they, they, a stressed fruit tree is their dream. And the fruit tree's defense is to drown them in sap, but, you know, it doesn't always work. And we have hot weather here in June and especially early July that's really hard on the fruit trees, and it's great for the boars. So I would go after treating them right now. In the meantime, uh, in flood irrigation, I'd go ahead and give them a light shot of fertilizer right now and uh, probably a little bit of extra um, chelated iron along with it and give them a, you know, a pretty heavy shot and um, water that in with a hose before an irrigation. And you could put your chemical on with a fertilizer all at the same time and see if you okay. can get rid of the boars. Because the boars, when they, when they get up and they do what they're trying to do, they girdle the tree and they'll basically kill the tree. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, good timing. We have irrigation this week. Um, other question we have, I want to put a Chinese orchid on the east side of the house. But it's far enough away, it's not going to get shade from the house in the afternoon. I have another orchid in the yard, Chinese orchid, that looks beautiful and it's gorgeous and, of course, loves this time of year, right? It's big and huge. Will it go well there, or is that going to be too much heat? No, you're not going to give an orchid too much heat. Orchids, actually, the Hong Kong orchid loves the heat. So the kind of the hotter, the happier. You know, and if you notice with them, if you got the other one, I mean, they, they're they pretty in January. They bloom. Then they've got all these old leaves they're trying to shed, and they don't do it until it gets hot. So they can be blooming and pretty hideous in May. And normally by this time of year, those leaves have shed. Now they've got, you know, nice new fresh growth that's really pretty. Yeah, it looks beautiful right now, the one I have. What time of year is best to plant that? Uh, this is a great time to plant orchids. You know, right now. They, they love okay. the heat. Uh-huh. When we transplant large orchids, like sometimes we'll buy really big specimens, and uh, we strip the foliage off them this time of year and plant them, and they'll have new foliage back on them in two weeks. Good grief. Okay. That's what I needed to know. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks, Jenny. Bye-bye. Uh, John in North Phoenix. Good morning, John. How are you? Excellent, sir. I've got a couple questions. First one, I've got bags under my eyes. What should I do about that? 
<laughs> Get more sleep, ever... probably, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting older now. No, yeah, that's happened to my... all of us, John. <laughs> my serious question is, um, my yard, my backyard, is like three feet lower than my neighbor behind me. Mm-hmm. And they, they're growing Bermuda, obviously. And I've got this flower bed against my back fence Uh and I'm getting Bermuda in my flower bed that I cannot get rid of. Um, is there something? There, I mean, there, I don't is a, there, 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 is, there is a wonderful product. You don't want to use, you don't even want to think, buy, or ever associate with ground clear, okay? First off, that's okay. a bad chemical that shouldn't be sold. What you want to use is a product called Fusilade or over the top. Fusilade, F U S I L A D E, okay? That's the active ingredient. Okay. Even if you buy it under another manufacturer like over the top. And what it is is a selective herbicide. So it's going to kill grasses, monocot plants, which like Bermuda grass. But it won't kill my plant, my flowers? You can spray it on petunias or lantana and it won't hurt it. And uh, it's that, that good a chemical. It's just that selective. So it kills anything that's a monocot. So you don't want to get it on a palm tree, okay, or any kind of a plant that's a monocot. It's a different style root. And, but it'll kill all the dicotomous plants. So it'll kill any kind of shrub. I mean, it won't kill any kind of shrub. But, you know, it's just selective. So it's only going to kill monocots. Should I, should I take that and just reach over the fence and drain some <laughs> no, no, down no. the line? No, it, it won't work that way. Um, <laughs> you know, if uh, you know, if your na- so your neighbor's lawn goes right to the fence. They don't have any kind of border there. Well, they've got the fence. Okay, but I mean that fence is only they're spraying their water right on the fence with their irrigation. Well, more than likely, I don't, I don't babysit them, but yeah, take them a bottle of wine or a shot of tequila and go have a cocktail with them. <laughs> have, have a little party over there and talk about what you you know. Bring them over a plate of cookies, whatever, whatever works for you. Lemonade's good this time of year, but um, at any rate, um, you know it's probably not in their advantage to have the lawn grow right up to the fence and. And typically, if it's a solid or grounded block wall, you shouldn't have any Bermuda grass going through the fence anyway, unless it's got some kind of cracks or joints in it. Well, the Bermuda is like, uh, what, foot and a half? Well, Bermuda, the roots? Well, but it's not going to come from underneath for the roots. If you have Bermuda grass coming up on your side, it's more than likely coming from seed or some rhizomes that are in there. But this fusillade eliminate the problem for you because you can spot spray and kill the Bermuda grass and not harm your other plants. Cool. Okay, one point, one pointer. Uh, F-U-S-I-L-A-D-E. One little pointer when you want to kill the Bermuda grass, you've got to get some size to it. It works very well this time of year. You don't want to spray it down while it's raining, but as long as it's dried on the plant, it'll work fine. But you have to have some size. So you need the Bermuda grass to be three or four inches tall with some active growing foliage to kill it. You can't, right, cut, that, you can't cut it off and the last, then spray it. The last recent rain brought it all back because I sprayed it with that. Uh, get rid of grass, but no, don't kill your plant stuff. No, that one I mean, should be a nope. fusillade based product if that's what it says it is. But um, you know, it might take it a couple of applications. All, but the last rain, mm-hmm. the last rain brought it all back. Well, you're gonna have to do it again, I mean, John. Overnight. I, hey, John, I, I hope you have to keep doing it. But if you get it on there, it should be absorbed <laughs> down in the plant. But if if it keeps raining and growing Bermuda grass here in the valley, we'll be happy. We have a real problem with it in our farms. I we know. have to remove it mechanically because we're certified organic and we can't use fusillade. But for 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 at home, fusillade works fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks for the call and have a nice weekend and bring on the rain. All right. Thank you. Bye, John. 
Well, looks like it's time to find out what's happening in the world. We have Patricia back here with the news. And while we're gone, we do have a couple lines open. Number to call 602-277-5827. It's Julia and Brian here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. And Patricia Valencia here with the news. We'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show.